This podcast may contain paid advertisements, but more on that later. Welcome to the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast, where I discuss the nuts and bolts of business and leadership, with a focus on bootstrapping a business from the ground up. This podcast is for all entrepreneurs, bootstrappers, and leaders in all walks of life. My goal is to help you grow both personally and professionally. I am your host, Isaiah O'Connor. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible.com, but we're going to actually get into that later on at the end of the podcast today, and you'll understand why in a moment. So today we have a special guest today, and that is Rabbi Daniel Lepin. He immigrated to the United States from England, where he was living and studying. He was born in Johannesburg, South Africa, where he spent his early boyhood. He was born into a family of many generations of rabbis. He studied in both Israel and England, and he, among his studies, he studied the Bible, ancient Jewish wisdom, mathematics, physics, and economics, and Rabbi Lepin insists that they are all connected, and I will have to agree. He fell in love with the America on the second day of what he originally intended as a three-week visit. He never left. So, he's the author of three bestsellers, including Thou Shalt Prosper, The Ten Commandments for Making Money, and recently, Business Secrets from the Bible, Spiritual Success Strategies for Financial Abundance. He teaches around the country on business and finance. He and Susan lived for years in Mercer Island, Washington, where they homeschooled their seven children. They are all ardent boaters. Rabbi Daniel claims to know the navigable waters of Puget Sound better than any other bald Orthodox Jewish rabbi. A few years back, Daniel and Susan sailed their family from the West Coast all the way to the Trans-Pacific to Hawaii on their 40-foot sailboat. They have recently relocated to Baltimore, Maryland in order to be closer to their children. My guest here is Rabbi Daniel Lapin. Did I pronounce your last name correctly? Lapin. Lapin. I'm I'm an American living in Norway, and my pronunciation is just shot to pieces between the two. <laughs> you don't have any idea what it's like to move to a different country, do you? <laughs> <laughs> right. So, what took you to Norway, by the way? My wife. Oh, that's I'm, good. I met my wife in a uh, youth with mission. Have you heard of it? Of course. Yeah. Yes. In fact, uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, they own or used to own a beautiful camp in British Columbia. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember something about that. Yeah, which which I've been at. Very cool. Anyway, thank you so much for your time. I know you're just a slightly busy guy. <laughs> <laughs> so... First, uh, the main book I want, I've been talking about different books, and um, I was talking about, I just read your book, the uh, or listened to, Thou Shall Prosper, again, that's the second time I've listened to it. I listened to the, uh, what was the other book? The, the Secrets, the Biblical Secrets? Business Secrets from the Bible. Yes, that one which uh, seemed like a shorter version of the Ten Commandments, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I've listened to that one. A lot of the same material on there. But I really do like the Ten Commandments one, the Thou Shall Prosper. It's very detailed. There's a lot of data there. 
So one thing that I liked, one of the biggest things I liked about that one is talking about how business and entrepreneurship is a good moral thing. Could you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, um, that, that of course, is the, uh, the underpinning of several hundred pages. So <laughs> telling you a little bit more like yes. that. Um, you know, is is a little bit like uh, um, expecting to be satiated from reading the menu at a fine restaurant. Um, but you I have will, a good point there. I will try. Uh, at least I'll, I'll give you something on that. Um, the the initial uh, starting point, I think, is the is is the fact that there is an advantage in knowing things about ourselves. Uh, we all like to think of ourselves as superbly rational and ultimately logical beings uh, where every decision we make is carefully thought out and uh, every uh, intellectual position at which we arrive is carefully contrived. But the reality is, of course, that uh, we're complicated human beings. Uh, we have uh, emotions. Uh, we have the cognitive dissonances. Um, there's a reason that we've discovered that um, uh, people who have not bought a car and have no interest in buying a car uh, will either read or ignore all the car advertisements in a magazine equally. But somebody who's just bought a car will only read the advertisements of the car he's bought. He'll ignore all the others. Now, that's illogical and irrational, but he'll do that because he wants to save himself the pain of discovering something about another car that he didn't buy, which he would have liked. Hmm, and so he only wants, so psychologists have shown that tests in fake waiting rooms um, have people who bought a car only reading ads that will already affirm the decision that they've already made. Now, that's not logical. From a logical point of view, you'd want to find out as much about everything as possible. But no, we're emotional creatures. Uh, the person who will drive across town because gasoline is two cents a liter less there or a gallon there than at home, using far more than that value in gas and expenses to do so, that's illogical. But there are many people who do just that because the idea of saving money is just so deeply inbuilt, they can't help it. So um, there are many, many things we do that are illogical and irrational, and it's as well to, to be aware of it. Uh, for instance, we all have a, uh, a, a lust for power, men more than women, men much more than women, but certainly the overwhelming majority of men uh, get a dopamine rush from the exercise of power. Um, and, uh, you know, where in whatever area it is, it's a reality. And so it's something we should be aware of, not only because it helps us understand others, but more importantly, it helps us understand ourselves. And um, one of the uh, important principles with respect to thou shalt prosper, the Ten Commandments for making money, is that um, we uh, are more inclined 
to succeed at something that we believe can be done, then we ought to succeed at something untested. And so um, in 1953, Edmund Hillary and Sherpa Tenzing Norgay ascended Mount Everest. Nobody had ever done it before. But um, right now, um, and this summer will be, uh, and be no exception, there are so many people going up Mount Everest, they have a littering problem. There's chocolate bar wrappers. Yeah, up I've and heard of that. Mountain. I've heard of that problem. You know, why didn't some of these people do it in 1952 so they could have been uh, the heroes? And the answer was nobody believed it could be done. Hmm. And people don't do it. Um, you know, virtually every college athlete of any measure can run a four-minute mile today. But yet when Roger Bannister broke the four-minute mile at 3.59 in May 1954, um, doctors said he would die as he lay down on the grass after breaking the tape. Uh, they said he's dead, but at least he died doing what he loved because they really believed human beings couldn't do a four-minute mile. Today, I'm not saying I could, but uh, plenty of people can. Yeah. And what's the difference? It's not nutrition. <laughs> no. The difference is that we now know it can be done. That's all. Hmm. And so in the same way, um, succeeding financially is enormously assisted by the knowledge that it can be done. Now, it's not for most of us. You know, we either are fairly decent people on the whole, or at least we like to think of ourselves as fairly decent people. That's another interesting fact about human beings. Mm. And that is that we like thinking well of ourselves. We all like to think that we are more than, uh, than just uh, machines that you know, eat and drink and fornicate and defecate and die. I mean, that's, uh, if, if that's what life's all about, it's disappointing. And so yeah. we, most of us conjure up uh, at the very least, some system in which we function. And one of these is that you do the right thing. Now, for different people, that means different things. For some people, that means driving an electric car. Uh, for other people, it means praying to God. Uh, and I'm not comparing those two. The first, I believe, nonsensical. The second, substantive. But people have different religions because religions are how we rise above simply biological entities that come and go. Right. You talk and, a lot um, about that in the book. Sorry to interrupt. Yeah, <laughs> yeah no, that's We're exactly talking about um, the difference between purely spiritual versus material things. You're exactly. not talking about spiritual as in just God, but the whole concept of money. You don't see any animals exchanging money for goods and services. That's exactly right. Yeah. So And so... Um, and so what, what this book does is it shows you why it is that making money is a dignified and moral and upright activity. Uh, why it is that I would much rather see people going into business than going to work for the government, for instance. Because if they go to work for the government, it just means another 10 fingers in my wallet. But if they go into business, the only way they get my money is by supplying me with something that I desire more than I desire the money. 
Yeah, that's one of my favorite things. I think you talked about it on Dave Ramsey. I heard you being interviewed with Dave, Dave Ramsey. That's how I got introduced to you. And you were talking about, uh, in the book, you said something else, but what stuck in my head was, you called it, was it certificates of appreciation or certificates of something along those lines? Yeah, no, certificates of good performance. Of good performance, yeah. Yeah, but it's all, I mean, whatever you say, it's, it's absolutely true. I originally, uh, I originally heard that concept from the great late economist Walter Williams. Yeah, I remember hearing his name somewhere along the lines, but maybe I should look into him more. Because that takes the whole kind of, it takes the whole greedy sense out of it and the whole me, 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 the whole selfish thing. It removes well, the, the um, out of it. Part of the, the struggle all around the world today is between socialism and something else. Socialism is very clear. It's very seductive. It always has been. Um, mm. But the something else is very uncertain. And that's its big problem because socialism portrays itself as a moral system. The something else is unclear. For many people, it's a capitalistic system of greed. And so if I have a choice, and I'm not a very deep thinking person, the choice between a capitalistic system of greed and a system of socialism that cares about the people, well, what sort of choice is that? So socialism yeah. is winning around the world. Yeah, I've noticed that me and my business partner, we're uh, rather stout capitalist as we're business owners. And I run a business podcast. <laughs> and it does surprise me how many business people subscribe to socialism, not realizing they it kind of shoots themselves in the foot. By They're undermining that. the very uh, activity that occupies most of their lives. Yeah, and I think part of that is this whole idea that business is bad, business is bad. You go into detail in the book. By the way, I will have the book mentioned when I do my little uh, ad spot later. Where, Thank you. Audible. I, I did a review on the book, actually, uh, two podcasts ago. Had an ad right. for it there. You That's guys, Thank you. Uh, as the rabbi here said, there's so much. It's, I can't remember. It's like 14, 15 hour book to listen to. It's a lot of detail. You guys got to get that book and listen to it. It's well worth it. So we're just barely covering the surface. We get a half an hour with the rabbi. Not a lot of time to cover a lot of material. <laughs> Oh, that's that's for sure. Yes. So, and thank you so much. But a whole lot more of it is at that website right there. Yeah, and I will have the website up on the uh, on you. the page and in the show notes. And thank you. When I do put up the video, by the way, I must tell you, I loved your interview with the great Bob Berg. Oh, thank you. You did a lovely interview with him. He's a good guy. He is a great guy. So. Uh, so yeah, I definitely put on all the access to websites, all that for you. No problem. But yeah, guys, this is a short interview. I have very little time with the rabbi. Definitely go look at his material. It's amazing. He has a YouTube channel as well, don't you? You're on I YouTube? certainly do. Yep, I certainly do. Definitely check him out on YouTube. I will put links in the description, links on my website. I'll, I'll do that all up for you guys. But the one thing I even noticed, did you ever see that quote unquote study about entrepreneurs that's basically said they were white troublemakers that kept getting in trouble with the law well um i've got a new policy that i've adopted about six months ago Isaiah, and that is that 
I automatically turn off. I will not look at or read or pay any attention whatsoever. I will not waste one second of my life on any information which is reported to come from studies or experts. Yeah, well, I, I did crack up because you probably won't be surprised that it was partly done by Berkeley experts. <laughs> Need anything more be said? No, but yeah, I, I went into it and they had to define entrepreneur as a very specific type of entrepreneur. And anyone who was a business owner, they just wiped out unless they were starting a new business in an unknown territory that's never been explored before. I'm like, that's a very narrow definition. So with that, how would you encourage people to become entrepreneurs, even in the trades? In Because I did a podcast on being an entrepreneur in the trades. A lot of people don't realize they're entrepreneurs when they're in business. For example, my cousin doesn't see himself as an entrepreneur or a businessman, but yet he has three businesses. He's a contractor. He goes out and he builds stuff, puts roofs on houses, builds things up. He's a builder. He runs his own company, completely debt-free. He's been following Dave Ramsey for a while. He just sold one business for cash, bought a whole bunch of land for cash. And he just doesn't see himself as an entrepreneur. He's just, I'm just a carpenter guy. So many people do that, and they don't realize what they're doing. Where'd well, um, you know, one way of understanding it is by uh, looking at many different doctors, which I did uh, as part of my research. And I discovered a few things. One of the things I discovered was that uh, there are doctors making a great deal of money, and there are other doctors who are actually struggling. Hmm. I mean, they're, they're making, um, you know, uh, a lower to middle class lifestyle, but they're, they're not putting away anything. Um, and it has absolutely nothing to do with what medical school they attended. Hmm. As a matter of fact, almost no patients know which medical school their doctors attended. Neither do they care. Hmm. They certainly don't know where about in the uh, class their doctor graduated. And when I've spoken hmm. to patients, I ask them, so tell me, do you really know that your doctor attended medical school, even attended? And they say, well, yeah, because there's a certificate on his wall. I said, <laughs> let me ask you something. If I left you in a room with a computer and a printer and some graphic software, how long would it take you to turn out a medical diploma for yourself? Like, what does that tell you? Mm. And they said, well, if you put it that way, I guess we don't really know. I said, no, never mind putting it that way. In reality, you have no idea if your doctor attended medical school. Mm. And they said, well, yeah, I guess. So why do you go to him? Because he's a really good doctor. How do you know? Have you seen his stats on survival and not you haven't seen that either the answer is he's a good businessman that's not what they say but that's what i say yeah he, his marketing is good his pr is good mm. his interaction with customers you want to call them patients call them patients to me they're customers mm. all of that is good that's the difference between a doctor who makes a lot of money and a doctor who doesn't the one who thinks of himself in business does well the one who thinks I'm a doctor, you know, yeah. very nice. Kudos to you, but you, you're not doing as well. Now, it sounds as if the person you described is obviously doing well, if he's got three businesses. So, you know, maybe it's a semantic thing. He just doesn't relate to the word entrepreneur the same way you do. 
uh, or mm. maybe you know maybe he has an emotional background from somewhere in his family and his child who knows where a businessman or an entrepreneur was a bad person and so he doesn't yeah. want to associate with that but it, and it sounds to me as if he's behaving exactly like a business professional which is wonderful yeah and he just doesn't see himself because i think there's this disconnect where if you're not doing something new and exciting if you're not going on shark tank then you're not an entrepreneur you're not a businessman that's Even right, if you yeah. are, it's this whole thing of what is an entrepreneur? What is a businessman? What do you start off doing? Yeah, the best entrepreneurs have boring lives. That's great. Mm -hmm. And the other thing is kind of the flip side of that is if you're working for someone, as you mentioned in the book, you're still in business. Your customer is your boss. It's really important to see it that way, that we're all in business with the exception of people who are retired or people who are in some activity in which they cannot be fired, in which their performance has no relationship to their reward. So if you are in a very unionized industry and your boss might want to fire you but cannot, then you are not in business. Yeah, I hear you on that. And I actually see, and I like what you were saying about the mindset of being a business person versus not a business person, because my business is a balloon de decorator, balloon decor. And I see tons and tons of people in balloons. And I throw up a poll just to see, and I can't remember the exact, this is, wasn't super scientific, it was just a Facebook poll. But something on like 15% even saw themselves as being in business. That's right. And they run their own companies and they serve a lot of people and they, they, they live on this. They're doing really well for themselves and they don't even see themselves as a business person. Like, well, I'm just an artist who makes some money. Yeah, but the ones that... Because they've all been conditioned to believe that yeah. uh, business person is a greedy, low-grade occupation, whereas yeah. artist society respects. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly the opposite. And the two guys that have the biggest crews, they see themselves as businessmen and artists, but businesses, businessmen par primarily. Matter of fact, one guy who's eventually going to come on the podcast as well, he doesn't just have his own balloon company. But he managed to work and do like, have you seen the like the floor shop ones where that's multiple florists all yes. working under one website? Yeah. And he set that up for balloons. So you order from one place in Australia and one of the other companies that he works with nearest you will provide the product. He put that all together. Yeah, he's a business professional, all right. Yeah. And a great guy. He's definitely a giver. I've mentioned in my podcast about giving before, too, because he's a great guy. So that's really cool. Now, speaking about balloons, and this guy is a great transition point, where you talked about you don't have to do something you love, but you need to learn how to love what you do, which actually sounds exactly like what Mike Rowe says. You know Mike Rowe? Yes. Dirty jobs guy. He says you, you shouldn't be following your passion. On the flip Absolutely, side, that's correct. On the flip side, I've seen the other side where people – choose industries that they cannot become passionate about and or they are passionate about and then they're even more successful. So do you think there's kind of, uh, kind of a balance point on that where, of course, you talked about boating in your book, just going out and driving a boat for fun, which being in Southern Nor living in Southern Norway, you'd fit right in. Almost everyone has a boat. And in the yes, summer- Yes, I know. I, I'd love to, to come and boat in the Baltic. Yeah. 
But here, everyone just goes out in the summer and they all go find an island. There's like 10,000 islands off the coast here. Little, like by island, I mean three or four people can fit on it usually. Yeah, pile of rock. So they go out there and they all go out there instead of going to the beach, they all take their boats out. You'd love it here. But I've seen that I take, for example, DC versus Marvel in the movies. Marvel does care about what they do. They really have a passion for it and they've been really successful. DC, the owners, the top dogs, Time Warner, well, it's just, just another business for them. Matter of fact, the Justice League movie that bombed so badly at the box office, I found out in my research that the directors just rushed it to production so they wouldn't miss a bonus. Just uh, driven by making the money. So do you think, how do I word this question? I think you should definitely make a business decision where you can become passionate about it, i.e., I'm a Dave Ramsey fan. I'm not going to get a job by a credit card company and become passionate about it. It's just not going to work very well because I'm a Dave Ramsey fan. It's just there's a disconnect, an emotional disconnect there. No, absolutely right. I mean, uh, of course, there's certain things that that uh, people can't do. I mean, if if somebody is a deeply committed vegan, uh, yeah. You know, he's not going to do well in a butcher shop. That's all there is to it. <laughs> um, uh, you know, if, if, if that that's a reality. But mm. um, but the other extreme is insisting on only finding work, doing something you like. That's yeah. equally ridiculous. Yeah, and I like I like finding something you like, but not just for the money. I think I I think that may be the key. Do you think you should go into business just for the potential money? Um, it doesn't work that way. It never works. It works uh, when you have or you develop or you have a passion uh, for what you can do for other people. And um, uh, every single successful tech startup, even though they break the mold in, in many, many ways, almost all of them are characterized by founders um, who are not in it for the money. Yeah. And now they... They developed a very sharp eye for the money because that is the most reliable measure for how much you're mm. doing for other people. Yeah, and I like uh, Simon Sinek said, uh, "Money businesses need money, but it's more like the oil that makes the machine work. But business is not about money. It's there. It's needed. It makes things work. But that's not the point." Um, I'd go a bit beyond that. It's 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 not. It's not just the, the oil. Um, <clears throat> uh, look, it is the purpose. And right mm. now we're seeing many attempts uh, to redefine the purpose of a business. The purpose of a business is to improve the environment. The purpose of a business is to provide health care for its workers. The purpose of a business is to um, repopulate repopul uh, the Sahara Desert. Whatever it is, uh, it's complete and utter nonsense. A business is an artificial entity created for the purpose of increasing shareholder value. There isn't anything else. Now, if that's not enough for you, then you should go along and be a flower arranger. But um, that's what the purpose of a business is. So, um, so it, it's crucially important. I mean, if you, mm. you know, profit isn't important. It's the most important thing. Mm. Now, how do you get there? by being obsessively preoccupied with the needs of your customers, your employees, and your vendors. Right. And by the way, uh, 
with with that whole idea, it's kind of funny. It's if you read the Go Giver, and then you read the Thou Shall Prosper right behind it, like I just did. Thou Shall Prosper is basically the Go Giver expanded edition. A lot, like everyone. Right, let, me just, the, let me just let uh, me just um, a twist. I want to make sure there's no imputed charge of plagiarism here. Oh no, 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 <laughs> no. Uh, but that's because when I, what I found is principles and laws are universal. That's why they're principles and laws because they're sure. they're across culture. I even said that this is a different culture. This is a different guy. He's a Jewish rabbi that grew up in the Jewish tradition. It's a different culture, but yet these laws are the same. And who's, then, who's the Jewish rabbi you're alluding to? You. you. Oh, I see. I, 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 you're the only sorry. Jewish rabbi I know, actually, personally. The but, only one uh, you need. Yes. America's rabbi, right? Everyone needs a rabbi. Well, rabbi. I, I've, I, you know, I've got to stop that appellation. It's, uh, <laughs> it's, um, it's not true, and it's a bit over grandiose. <laughs> But um, but uh, I w- when I was talking about it in my last podcast, I was going, you know, different. You're, you're a rabbi. You're a different culture than, say, where I grew up in California or where Bob Burr grew up or John Maxwell, because not all the points, but a lot of the go-giver points are also in the 21 Laws of Leadership by John Maxwell. And no, I mean, this is what you're saying. Is absolutely right, which is that um, if you're interested in Newton's three laws of motion, um, you can find them in a hundred different textbooks. Yeah. Written in different styles and in different ways by different people in different times, in different places. But the, the three laws apply everywhere all the time, and uh, they will be stated everywhere and all the time. So, yes, in that sense, the, uh, the timeless principles for making money um, are absolutely reliable. They are principles, they're rules, they're axiomatic. Yeah, and it doesn't matter where you are, where you live, where you're born. And even like you, like I said, just the way you treat your customer, even if it's your boss. Because just an example, my current boss, I had to go get a job. I got a job building arcade machines, which is kind of fun. I had an arcade in the background. Our background working in arcades years ago, came across a guy who's building them, managed to get a job because my balloon business is completely kaput from COVID. All the rules strict, it goes from like 10 people, then you can have 30, then it goes back down to 10. It's really hard to get a, uh, inter- a entertainment gig right now. So I got another sure. job, no problem. And I've been trying to treat my my boss as my customer and try to learn as much and provide as much value as I can. And the more value he does is like, now he's saying, if I teach you how to cut out the machines and build them, because right now I've been just doing the finishing touches. Another guy builds the actual cabinet. And then I come in and apply the vinyl decal and the joysticks and the buttons and all the final stuff. But can you learn how to cut them out and build them? I said, yeah. Okay, cool. I'll pay you a thousand hundred each for this or whatever money. So as I learn more, as I try to provide the best value for him, take care of him, look out for him, I'm making more money too, just by providing the best right. customer service to my customer being my boss. So 
again, not, this was a business. I approached him like a businessman to a businessman, not like just as an employee to an employer relationship. Right. So I took business principles into a job and I'm growing my income. Yeah. Now you're, you're applying these rules. Absolutely. And they will work and they will carry you forward. So, and it looks like we're just about out of time here. I'm afraid we are, unfortunately, because I enjoyed talking with you. Yeah, very nice. Hopefully we can do it again sometime. I look forward. Any last thoughts uh, for uh, entrepreneurs and bootstrappers and leaders listening to this podcast? Last thoughts? Just do it. Stop with excuses. Don't give me explanations. And for heaven's sake, don't blame your parents. Okay, they were good people doing their best. Everything that happened after that, you screwed up yourself. <laughs> Great. Okay, thank you. Terrific. Nice talking with you. Bye-bye. I really enjoyed that interview with the Rabbi Daniel Penn. It was great. I really, really hope I can get have him back on the show sometime. We just scratched his surface. He has a lot of information. And now to the sponsorship spot. The only reason I'm bringing up the sponsor is you got to go listen to his book. The Ten, Thou Shalt Prosper, The Ten Commandments of Making Money. He, It's so much deeper than what we were able to talk about here. I mean, we had a 30-minute interview, and it's like a 13, 14-hour book. Go check it out on audible.com forward slash bootstrap. You go over there. You can get a free trial, 30-day free trial, which comes with one free audio book, two free Audible originals, and a full access to their streaming library for 30 days. After that, it's only $14.95 a month with no no binding contract or anything like that. You can quit at any time, but you're not going to want it. Go check it out, audible.com forward slash bootstrap. And we might have another guest on next Thursday. Hopefully we can, and it will be a surprise guest, and we'll find out about that later. So on Thursday, it might be just me rambling on about something or other, or it could be a special guest. Anyway, talk to you guys later. Bye-bye. If you found value in this content, please leave a comment and give us a five-star rating on whichever podcast platform you use. We are on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and most other podcast platforms. If you would like to support us, you can check out our sponsor links, or if you would like to directly support the show, you can donate or join our membership program at buymeacoffee.com forward slash bootstrap. Of course, it really helps when you share these podcasts as well. If you would like to interact with me and other bootstrappers and leaders, you can join our O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast Facebook group. You have been listening to the O'Connor Bootstrap Podcast and Athos Business Solutions Podcast. For our companion podcast, the Athos Business Podcast, hosted by Jason St. Clair, past episodes, and related blogs, check out our website at www.athos.com, which is www.athoz.com or atheoz.com. Until next time, I've been your friendly neighborhood entrepreneur, Isaiah O'Connor.